Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'm on a journey of discovering what loving oneself actually looks like. I want to invite you into my process, hear some of my crazy stories, as well as hear some amazing people with wisdom and insight give their take on what it looks like to love yourself well, and in turn be able to love people well too. Come on, let's go. Hi, welcome back to episode 10, Jeepers Creepers. Uh, last week's episode, I talked about uh, my first my first experience of love or experiencing feeling love. That's what we'll say. Um, and what that infatuation felt like for me and how I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> when I was uh, all of 15 years old. And still feel like I still don't kind of know what I'm doing. And I'm 38 years old. So how about that? Um, This second episode or this second part, second love story is actually the longest relationship I'd been in. Um, It's we'll call him Mo, (laughs) which isn't too far off from his real name. (laughs) But we'll just call him Mo. It's fine in case I slip up. Um. And he and I dated on and off for six years, which is wild. We dated from the age of like 19 to 25. We were the same age. We went to the same church. People were really invested in our story um, because we had a small church. Now, looking back, it was probably just like the story, right, that everybody could concentrate on. Um, But... Uh, it was a wild one. So uh, he and I met. He was really handsome, very athletic, six one, dark, tall, and handsome. Just, just really good looking guy. Really funny, uh, and also my brother in law's best friend. So that made it interesting, for sure. But uh, there was a lot of firsts, firsts with Mo in a sense of the first time I said I love you, um, not my first kiss. But just like the first time of having like a serious boyfriend, um, dates and and that sort of a thing. Um, We we started hanging out because of youth group and also because he was my brother-in-law's best friend. My sister and brother-in-law got married when I was 19. So uh, Jeff was the youth pastor at my dad's church in uh, Illinois and they lived there as well and uh, Mo was a little bit younger. He was my age, so four years younger than my brother-in-law. And they just were really into sports and you name it, sports guys, and we're just really good friends. So it started with uh, us basically double dating a lot just for the simple fact that I was my sister's best friend and Mo was my brother-in-law's best friend. And uh, we ended up getting paired together. To do a lot of stuff. And I can remember not even thinking about it. I knew I liked him. I had a crush on him. And I can remember um, we all went out to dinner one night and we were dropping him off. We were in this all the, in the same car. We were dropping him off. And this, you know, very stoic, tall, dark, handsome guy looks at my brother-in-law who looks kind of like the Incredible Hulk. And um, minus the green. He's just like a very big man. And... Uh, looked at my brother-in-law. I was like, "Well, okay, thanks for the thanks for the drive home. Um, can I have a hug?" And my sister and I were like, "What is what? Like these two big bros are gonna hug right now?" But they did. Totally hugged. And then Mo looked at my sister and said, "Okay, a hug." And then my sister hugged him, and he looked at me and was like, 
okay, well, hug for you too. And I was like, all right. So we hugged and that was it. I didn't know until later that was his way of just wanting to hug me and he didn't know how. And isn't it funny that I internalized he hugged me because he had to. (laughs) That was the story I told myself for a long time until I ended up asking him about it was he hugged me because it would be really awkward for him socially to hug two people and then I'm literally the only other one and he just doesn't hug me so he had to. But isn't that crazy how we do that? Like here it was his plan because he was awkward and shy. He wanted to hug me. He wanted physical connection and just didn't know how to do it without being weird. So he hugged everybody when my internal response was he doesn't want to hug me but had to, which is just crazy. I obviously have missed the mark many, many times in regards to relationship and what people mean and what they're doing, you know, um, And anyway, one day uh, he called the house and I answered and I thought he wanted to talk to my brother-in-law and he didn't. He called to talk to me. And I can remember being like, this is weird. Like that was the thought that kind of floated through my head was like, why does he want to talk to me? And he had some bizarro question. I can't even remember what it was, but it was like, hi, uh, you know, hey, this is Mo. And I was like, oh, hi, you want to talk to Jeff? And he was like, uh, no, I had a question for you. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what is it? And it was something weird. Like, like not even like a very random, like I have this stain from spaghetti sauce on my shirt. Do you know how to get it off? Like, it was like a weird, bizarre. And I can remember being like, I don't know. Let me ask my mom. Like, I had no idea what he was talking about or what he was doing. And we ended up talking for a few minutes. And a lot of it was him awkwardly silent and me nervously filling in the silence with just random speech because that's what I do when I get nervous if there's awkward silence is I'll just fill it um and then we started hanging out together he I remember being like that youth group in hanging out in groups and us flirting and us um it getting kind of really tense and if (laughs) And one night, my friend Holly was in the car with us, and uh, we were all in one vehicle, and she decided we had to drop Mo off at home. And I got out of the car, too, and Holly stayed in the car. And I can remember him daring me to kiss him. Like, that was how it's the very innocent, very sweet, now that I think about it in hindsight. But I literally was panicking on the inside. And I think I turned it around and was like, well, no, I dare you like you, you know, in my wisdom of all of 19, like you do it, you know. So anyway, he kissed me and I can remember this like first kiss under the streetlights and and the summertime on his street. And I can remember after he kissed me, I didn't know what to do with myself. It was so awkward and it was still a very sweet kiss. Don't get me wrong, but it was very awkward. And I can remember him looking at me like say something and all I could say is like wouldn't it be crazy if monkeys lived in those trees <laughs> like, that's what I said after my first kiss <laughs> and um yeah it's very smooth to this day I think very smooth very smooth but we ended up dating of course and I can even remember him coming over to my house and having the conversation that he like wanted me to be his girlfriend and uh, 
<laughs> and it was just brutal. I mean, it was me. We were sitting at a picnic table and I was literally saying, what do you, what do you want me to talk? What do you want to talk to me about? And he would just like, like wringing his hands like, well, um, well, um, I, uh, well, um, and he just couldn't get it out. Like he, he was wrestling with vulnerability obviously and fear of total rejection so in hindsight I'm able and I was getting like totally uh impatient like what you want to go to eat what do you like what are you asking me (laughs) I I was like trying to fill in the blanks like why do you want to see a movie like you want Jeff I don't understand am I what what am I doing like and so finally he kind of had to tell me to be quiet. Like, will you just wait a minute? Just let me get it out. I'm like, okay. So I just had to sit there in awkward silence, just biting my own nails. Like, this is so weird. And he finally, like, will you be my girlfriend? I can remember being like, that's what you wanted to ask me? Like, what are you talking about? And of course, became boyfriend and girlfriend and dated for a total of six years. Like I said, we broke up twice in between. And it was interesting because we had just different backgrounds. We had, I, and as much as I think you could probably overcome it, it does affect, it does affect your, your relationship. My parents are awesome. Like I said a million times, they're in love with one another. I mean, for Pete's sakes, they drive through the car wash so they can make out. You know what I mean? Like, that's so adorable. But that's how they are. And I think their, his family was just way more reserved from that than that. You know, I think, um. It was just a different story relationship wise between his mom and dad than it was for my mom and dad. So I have this example of two parents that are just in love with one another and it's, you know, mushy and pukey and you're just like, stop. Like that was my whole teenage years. It's just like, can you guys stop? Can you guys stop? Because they were always just like being cute and giggling and kissing one another. And, you know, and when you're a teenager, you don't want to see that. Now I can totally appreciate it for what it is, but I realized that that was just some bar that was set for me. Like, that's just what I thought relationship looked like. And I didn't realize that there was people that didn't know what relationship looked like. They didn't know what healthy relationship looked like. They didn't know what love should look like. They didn't know how to even give it of themselves to someone else because they don't even see that, right? If your life is just you witnessing people be gu- being guarded, right? And their love for you is like, I, I put a roof over your head and you have food in the fridge. That's, that's how I love you, you know? And which is not a bad way to love, but also if it's never communicated, how would you know, right? So um, if you could imagine the tension that was created uh, between him and I, adding in the fact that we are in our late teens, um, I am loud and obnoxious and want to talk about everything and I'm always telling him how I feel and he is reserved contemplative and never talks about his feelings at all and I am quality time I want to be with you I enjoy your company I enjoy your time and he I don't think that was his um I don't think that was his love language. I, I think he wanted, he needed alone time to recoup. He was definitely like a contemplator, definitely an introvert. And I was an extrovert <laughs> and uh, was just ready to go all of the time. And I can remember the first time we broke up, it was the day before Valentine's Day. 
And uh, I remember just being like, gosh, he, I don't, I don't think I can do this. This isn't what boyfriends and girlfriends do in a sense of like, he didn't know how to be with me. He didn't know how to be affectionate. He didn't know how to be, I guess, quote unquote, romantic. And when I, at the tender age of 19 or 20, thought I knew everything and thought I knew what romance was, and I had no idea. But I felt like it wasn't, he wasn't meeting my needs in that area, in the sense of making me feel special, making me feel valued. But I also didn't communicate that. (laughs) So I just cut it off. I just broke up with him. And I can remember we decided anyway that, like, two idiots the day after we break up on Valentine's Day, we go and see a romantic movie at the theater together because that's what you do. That's not that's not, you know, smart ever. We ended up getting back together and then we proceeded to date again for many years. And I broke up with him a second time because I just felt like, OK, we're in our mid 20s now and we've been dating for four or five years. You should know if you like me, if you love me. You should know if you want to marry me, you know. And I will say that there was a time, I think we were 21. So before that breakup, we were 21. And I remember he and I were spending the day together. We were driving and he looked at me and he goes, we should do it. And I said, we should do what? And he said, we should get married. And I can remember being panicked because I didn't view myself as an adult, even though I was 21. And I just remember looking at him and being like, I have to ask my mom. Like, I don't know if I can do this. So I was gripped with fear of like, I don't know if this is the right choice. I don't know if this is a good decision. I don't even know if you're the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, you know, was what was going through my mind. I didn't voice any of that. I blamed it like, I need to ask my mom like I'm not an adult, you know. And so uh, that was the one and only time that he mentioned marriage to me. All the other times were were me. And so fast forward a year or two after that, I think I kind of just like snuffed out his little light. I, you know, looking in hindsight, I probably scared him and created issue where there probably wasn't. Uh, he was ready to marry me then, wanted to get married to me. And I'm the one who stopped it. So fast forward two or three years later And I'm now wondering why he doesn't want to marry me. And I can remember just having a conversation of like, this isn't going to work. Like we've been together for four years. You should know. You should know if you love me or not. You should know if you want to marry me or not. And if the answer is you don't want to marry me right away, then we shouldn't be together anymore. And so broke up with him again. And um, we were broken up, I think, for three or four months at that point. And I can remember just starting to like work on my little life and adjust what I was looking for in someone and adjust what I wanted in someone. And I got a phone call one day from him and he asked me, he knew my soft spot was his mom. I love his mom. And he it was around Christmas time and he said, hey, could you do me a favor? Like not long time, no talk. How are you? You know. I'm good. And he said, could you do me a favor? Would you be able to come with me to the mall and help me pick out a gift for my mom for Christmas? I want to get her a good gift. And so I was like, this is for your mom. Just so you know, this is not for us. This is for your mom. And so I went. He came and picked me up. He wouldn't let me drive. He wanted to pick me up. So he picked me up. I realized later why he did that. Picked me up. We drove to the mall. And my little spitefulness, I decided to pick out the most expensive things I could find that I think his mom would really like. And he willingly and gladly purchased them all for his mom. 
And uh, I was like, okay, well, this is a good gift. You should probably like, I can go home now. And he said, no, how about let me thank you for like doing this for me. Um, Let me take you out to dinner. Let's go out to dinner. My treat. I'd love to buy you dinner. And I was like, well, I don't know. And he was like, oh, come on. I'll just, you know, for dinner. And I said, okay, fine. So we go out to dinner. We go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> uh, my brother, side note, my brother and I used to joke around how we, 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 we currently joke around about how we used to think the Olive Garden was fancy. <laughs> yep. So anyway, he took me to this fancy restaurant and we're sitting over the endless breadsticks and like just a vomiting of feelings, he just looked at me and was like, okay, this is what I think. I think we should get back together because I love you. And if you just give me a year, just give me one year, I'll get all my stuff in order and we can get engaged and get married and we can, and it like was flowing. And I was literally sitting there with a mouthful of breadsticks like, what, what are you saying? What's happening? And he professed his love and just told me he wanted to try again and that there was no one else for him but me and blah, 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 blah. So, of course, I decided, yep, I'll I will do it. Let's let's do it. And he and I would say, I'm it's a year. Right. And he'd say, yeah, just give me a year. Just give me a year. I'd say, OK, give you a year. Um, so we dated for a year and then another year and then another year. And I noticed, you know, we were both getting older. I was trying to, I was just wanting to go back to school. And I can remember him trying to convince me not to, which was an interesting thing. And uh, there was a theme of like, you're not smarter than me. There was three things that he would always remind me of. It was, you're not smarter than me. I have better taste in music than you. And I have better taste in movies. And that was something that he would always say to me all of the time. And which wasn't nice, wasn't kind. That's not like a loving way to be, a loving way to speak to anyone that you wanted to spend the rest of your life with. And I noticed a shift. There was a shift as we grew more comfortable with one another, as it just became a part of our lives to be together, to function together. Um, There was no drive to move forward in any way, shape or form. And, you know, I hadn't forgotten that he said a year and now it was three years later and uh I noticed just one thing is he and I would talk about it every now and again like do you think we should go ahead and just get engaged or like what would you want to do you know and he would say I have to save up for that I have to save up which I get I I get that you know want to be prepared want to save up but also uh, let me just add he was very very good with money he was making a lot of money he was doing very well for himself he had a really good job and, um, but he would just say it like, I actually, um, I need to, I need to save. I need to save. And I'd say, okay, fine, cool. And, um, I can remember one day finding out here, he, you know, was working on saving money. I thought this would be a thing. And in the, in the meantime, he had bought himself like a brand new, uh, laptop, brand new MacBook pro. He bought himself, uh, a brand new uh, like flat t- screen TV and stereo system. He bought himself a Camaro. <laughs> and because um, he was doing well. And every time I would bring up like, hey, do you think that maybe we should start looking at getting like engaged moving forward? And his response would be, yeah, yeah, I think so. But I just have to save up. I have to save for that. I'm just, I need to save up. I need to save for that. And so one day he and I were, 
together and I could feel his I don't know if it was a resentment I don't know what it was I don't know if we just got used to one another I'm not sure what happened or where it fell we were meeting my parents for dinner and uh Mo was talking to me about the motorcycle my my dad had purchased um for himself and how much fun my parents were having and he mentioned looking into a motorcycle and I can remember saying I don't even know what made me say it I think it was prophetic to be honest with you and I think I was a person of my word so if I said something that was it and I heard him start to talk about wanting a motorcycle and so I just happened to say hey like you just bought yourself a brand new laptop you just bought yourself a brand new like flat screen tv and like surround sound you just bought yourself a Camaro like do you think maybe we should get engaged really quick before you buy your motorcycle because in my mind like that was the plan all along when he had asked me to get back together with him to try again it was to move toward marriage and it just stalled and um I can remember him laughing at me and I said to him I said if you buy a motorcycle before we get engaged I am breaking up with you I just said it plain and he looked at me and he said no you won't there's no way you'll break up with me like you won't and he was laughing at me in such a condescending and like mocking way I can remember meeting my parents for dinner and walking in the restaurant and he was still laughing and my dad said what's so funny and he said Bethany said that if I bought a motorcycle she would break up with me And he was like, that won't happen. And I remember my mom looking at me like, what? Like, this is so weird. So fast forward a month or two. um, Been hanging out at his house a lot. His sister was having a baby. So was just with her a lot, hanging out. And uh, I was over there one day helping her with some stuff. And I noticed he kept getting up to leave to take phone calls outside, like away from me. He was definitely hiding from me kept getting up to leave and go take these phone calls. And I was watching him and knew something was weird. Like just knew he was acting odd. And he came back in and I can remember approaching him and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't know why. I'm curious if it was a prophetic thing or if it was the Lord. He looked at me and I said, who are you talking to? And he said, nobody, nothing. And I looked at him and I said, did you are you buying a motorcycle? And he looked at me like wide-eyed, like couldn't believe that I got it. And he said, I just bought one. I just bought one over the phone. And I just, without saying a word, I turned around and left. I like walked away. And um, that night his sister went into labor. And at the time I worked in a NICU with preemies and sick newborns. I worked around uh, labor and delivery and so I was there I was able to give her baby like her first bath I'm in all of these family photos of like the baby first born first bath and all of that and um decided for days I didn't talk to him for days and he even came to the hospital to see his sister and I refused to see him and finally we got together and he said we have to talk and I said absolutely and so we met And he was crying, you know, and I was too mad to cry. Um, And I can remember him, I'm just explaining to him, like, do you know the message that you gave me of, like, that you had to save, you were buying yourself all these things? 
which he deserved. He was working hard. It wasn't even a matter of him. He shouldn't be getting himself those things. I delighted that he was giving himself good gifts. It was that it was under a certain label of like, well, I don't have anything I have to save, you know, and it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like he loves himself first and foremost above anything else. And is that the life that I want for myself? Do I want to be with someone who will only put himself first, who will never think of me, who would never sacrifice for me, who would never like that is all of the information that I was receiving from this one act that he did. And so we were talking for the first time and I was explaining to him how I felt and I was explaining to him the message that I was receiving. And I can remember, I remember um, the thought all of a sudden hitting me of like, maybe he bought a motorcycle because he bought an engagement ring. Like maybe he bought an engagement ring. So in the middle of our conversation, I stopped him and I said, have you bought an engagement ring? And he looked at me and he said, what? No, I I can't buy an engagement ring. I have to save for that. And that was it. I stood up and I said, you'll never, ever love me. You'll never, you'll never choose me. You won't love me like somebody who wants to be married needs to be loved. And I remember getting up and he fell on his knees and he was hugging my waist and he was crying. And I said, you have robbed me of six years of my life I have tried multiple times to end things with you and you come back every single time (laughs) asking for another chance wanting to get married wanting and you have that's that was like the overwhelming sense of like you have wasted my life now in hindsight I was the one that also kept agreeing to get back together with him I didn't have to do that but I did um But I remember just leaving devastated. And I remember him crying and saying to me, like, what am I going to do? You're my best friend. And I remember just saying, like, what do you think would happen? Like, what do you think would take place? And I remember it was like a movie scene. All of his family was in town for his sister, you know, for her having a baby. So everyone was there visiting. I had just planned a huge shower for her and threw a huge baby shower. And, um... I was so devastated that I was almost numb. So I was literally leaving, leaving his house. We were in a private room and all of his family, his aunts and uncles were there, cousins. And as I walked out, they were like, Bethany, we love you. We're so glad you're a part of our family. We can't wait for you to be a permanent part of our family. And then they presented me with gifts because of what I had just done for his sister in the hospital. And uh, I just grabbed it and left because I didn't know what else to do. And it was a gift card to Olive Garden because it was his and I's favorite place to go (laughs) and some other things. And I can remember just being so devastated, like, oh, my, what have I just done? I have wrecked my life. Like I he was my future at that point to me up until that moment. He was the plan. He and I were going to get married. My I was going to be his wife. That was that was going to be what I was going to be. And all of that just came crashing down with the knowledge that I felt like he had robbed me of six years, that I had to start all over, you know, even the silly thoughts of like, am I too old? Have You know, now what am I going to do? I was all of 25 years old. You know, what am I going to do? My life is over and so on. Um, but let me just say that in hindsight now, 
doing that and valuing myself and putting value on my worth and who I am was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole entire life. It it wasn't easy, the in-between of then and now. Um, I wrestled with that decision for probably two years after we broke up, where he and I every once in a while would still talk. We'd still meet up. Um and, uh, and and stuff like that and uh, realizing like the free to break away freely from him was one of the best decisions and at the end of the day I hold no like no hard feelings toward him at all I realized we were just two different people that probably after I broke up the first time with him should have been it that just should have been the run and the extended of our relationship um, but I learned a lot of valuable lessons in that relationship I learned my value like wait I'm allowed to actually want to have a say and to stick up for myself I learned what I don't want you know I learned what's important to me as far as like how I'm to be treated what I want a husband to be like with me in relationship you know as well as loving my family well which he did he loved my family really well um but to end it all I can remember two years after the breakup I was still struggling with it and I would start to, I started to have panic attacks. And I remember like just these lies flood my mind of like, you've made the worst mistake of your life. No one will want you. This was your only shot. This was your only chance. Uh, what have you done? You're going to be alone forever. And it would drive me into panic attacks. Like I would like, oh, I can't breathe. What have I done? And I remember sitting on my mom's bed once and just having a panic attack and her saying like, what is the matter? And me just for the first time verbalizing like, I've made a mistake. I don't have another choice. No one's going to want me. Look at me. I'm not attractive. Like you name it, all of these things. And her just calmly being like, Bethany, Bethany, that's not true. Like take a breath. Let's breathe. And it took time. And I remember one night I had a dream and I still lived in the Chicago, in Chicago at the time. It didn't make sense to me. And I was going to the church that I was attending at the time. And I can remember uh, I had showed up at the church and everyone was excited to see me. And they were excited to see me like I they hadn't seen me in years. And I can remember people going like, wow, look, you're here. So glad to see you. Oh my gosh, you look great. How are you? How's life? Like I, they had not seen me in a long time. And I can remember hugging people and just like, I'm good and this is my life and everything's great. And I ran into him. I ran into Mo. And there was no ill will toward us. The two of us were happy and delighted. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? And I, I can remember looking at him and saying, you look so great. And he said, thanks. You look so great. I said, thanks. And I, I remember saying to him, can I introduce you to someone? And he said, yes. And I said, this is my son. And when I said that, I saw this little boy and I just woke up. And I remember feeling that it was a gift from the Lord. I believe dreams have meaning. Sometimes I believe we receive ministry in dreams. Sometimes I, I believe our heart reveals what we're going through in dreams. And also sometimes I feel like the Lord gives us messages in dreams. And I feel like this dream was a message from the Lord letting me know that there is going to be a time down the road where I'm not going to have any ill will. I since have moved away. I had no plans of ever leaving Chicago. I since have moved away. I live in a different state now. And the hope that there will be family, marriage, children for me in my future. And so I still hold on to that dream today. I still believe that that is a dream uh, that is going to happen. I'm going to see that fulfilled. 
And so I just want to encourage you today, if you find yourself on the other side of a bad relationship and maybe you're at the beginning stages of wondering what you've done, if you've done the right thing, if it was a mistake, can I just encourage you that there is nothing that you can do that's so far gone that either can't be repaired or can you, you something better is out there for you, I promise. In hindsight, me moving to Nashville, doing the School of Supernatural Life, you know, has brought healing and hope to me in so many ways. They've taught me how to dream for more in God, in my relationship, and also in destiny and calling over my life, as well as travel. I've gotten to see the world and just meet people and and gain friendships and relationships that I never, ever would have had that I am oh so grateful for. So it took that many years later, but it was the best decision I ever made. So please don't lose hope. Um, and also, if there is something in you, you're in a relationship right now and you're dating and you're just constantly finding yourself defending you, you're having defend, to defend what you want in something or defend your, like, I want to be loved or this is what my expectations are and they don't meet it. Like, you have freedom to walk away free and clear. Like, don't do what I did and waste six years trying to convince somebody to choose you. Because it never ends up well. You never feel what good about yourself. You know, at the end of the day, I walked away from that. And I had to do some major work on me because I hated who I'd become. So anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, things end for a reason. And new things begin. And uh, I don't regret it. I don't regret any of it. Probably the only thing that I could say I wish I would have changed is that I wouldn't have ended it sooner. But other than that, those are lessons learned. It's just lessons learned in life. Uh, until next time, I guess we'll talk to you later and tune in for episode 11 on the third, the third love of my life. Bye.